Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. COVID for Christmas. Yeah, bummer. <laughs> Feeling good? I feel great. Good. Thank you for asking. Yeah. yeah. It was not what I was it was not on my Christmas list, but it came no matter what. So we're, we got we got through it. That's good. Good good stuff. I I thought it'd be interesting just to kind of open it up, get us going here. We're we're recording this right before the new year. Um, what do you guys think about New Year's resolution? Not what is your New Year's resolution resolution, but what do you think about them? Well, I recall a post I made on Facebook probably 10 years ago, and it said something to the effect of, if you want to do something, don't wait till the new year, just Mm -hmm. start. Agreed. Why do we have to wait till the new year? It's almost like somebody, and then I saw some other memes running around saying things like, well, if you eat a lot now, it's going to make your weight loss all the more impressive after January 1st. (laughs) That's good. And so I'm like, just start now. Just start. Start yeah. now. Like Weight fat loss. Tuesday, fat Tuesday before yes, Lent, right? Right. You know, <laughs> get, get all my sin in before. Right. I stop doing exercise it. now. Stop smoking now. Lose weight yeah. now. Do all that now. Well, I think there's something dangerous when people say like "New Year, New Me" or like "Oh, oh like oh, this oh. is gonna be." I'm gonna get it together this year. Yeah, baloney. Like, first of all, no, you're not. <laughs> but, but like the notion that like, I feel like to assign a year, you're sort of also assigning a little bit of the blame. Just, yeah. just in like you're, you're d- diverting a little bit of responsibility towards something else. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, it's been a, like you're saying like it's been a bad year. It's like no, you've been a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think I bought more. I mean, I try to do new things around the new year that gets me thinking. But what's so funny, I think, is when everybody, including our church, in 2020 had the. Um, sermon series to start out the year seeing 2020 you know kind of plan words mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we didn't know what that we didn't know what we we're talking about where <laughs> mm-hmm. we could see anything and all of your plans so if you it was just like a, a clinic in what we actually can control what we can't and so you make all these plans and it makes me think of the book of james where james says don't say i'm gonna go here or do business there or go live there say only if the Lord wills. Mm-hmm. And so if, I think if you're going to make any plans in the new year, you just hold them pretty lightly. And it's I think it's great to want to work on yourself and try yeah. to, you know, maybe change your attitudes or or your habits or, you know, your your way of thinking. And that, that's a good thing. But that, that really doesn't need a, a date stamp of January 1st, yeah. new year. It's good for uh, gyms, right? Everyone buys the new membership totally. and mm-hmm. then they, they don't use it and fill it up. But... Yeah, it's so you guys are out. No, no New Year's resolutions. That's stupid. I started mine like two months ago. The (laughs) calorie counting. I'm I'm already a minute. (laughs) Emily says, my wife says, I make the same New Year's resolution every year to make no more resolutions. Ah, (laughs) good. That's good. Yeah. I think the big thing I've learned too is like, it's all about your habits. So change your habits and you'll end up in a different place. If you set a goal, like I'm going to make this amount of money or lose this amount of weight or do this, your goal doesn't really matter. I mean, it's okay to have like an idea where you want to end up, but if you don't start daily doing something every, every day, a little bit different. Yeah. Well, and you almost set yourself up for failure. If you have these really grand lofty goals that you're supposed to hit, 
you know, starting January 1st and then mm-hmm. something happens, maybe you get sick or maybe something happens and you can't fulfill or you, you get off track. I mean, you really are setting yourself up for disappointment. Or like, what if you don't start on January 1st? You know, are you going to lost? Right. It <laughs> is. It is. If it's like January 4th and you're like, yep. <sighs> well, <laughs> yeah, we'll wait till next year. <laughs> you know, this is like the anti self-improvement podcast right now, right? Everybody else at the new year is like <laughs> every magazine that's out. Then come listen to our podcast. No, because they're trying to sell you stuff. That's all it is. <laughs> okay. they're trying, right, we are right. not trying to sell you stuff except a hard dose of truth, there which is go. that you are a flawed, broken person. Uh, and, and no, imp- mo- no amount of improvement will make you any more lovable. <laughs> I like that. that. There was almost some gospel in there. That, that was good. <laughs> that's really good. Almost. <laughs> It was like anti-gospel, but it suggested the existence of a gospel. That's good. Well, maybe, I don't know, turning to something a little more serious, uh, we've been having this on our list of things to talk about for quite a while Mm -hmm. because things just keep on coming up. Uh, Last year, there was a Christmas parade in Waukesha where where a, a man drove through killing six people, although I think... The number went up, and 60 more were injured. I, I, a family friend of ours was, was one of those who was injured. And then right after that, there was a shooting in Oxford High School in Detroit, Michigan. And we think about the ongoing pandemic. And then there's been more tragedies ever even since then, uh, more garbage that's been coming up and really sad things. And so that inevitably leads to the big question about how can you still be a Christian? How can you still believe this? Because how can a good God permit evil? And what intrigued me when, uh, you know, Annie, you brought this up was like, I think people are sick of like a, a quick cliche pat answer. Totally. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, I think it's easy to explain to somebody who is of faith. Maybe you say, well, we trust that God works. What is it? Works it out for the good of those who love him yeah. kind of thing. And that answer is acceptable to me mm-hmm. as a Christian. Um, I'm down with that. But how do we say that to somebody who maybe just can't wrap their head around that, you know, or who maybe is, is struggling in their faith or has, has no connection to God. Like what, you know, how, how could there be a God if he's allowing this to happen? So I, I just, I, I would like to see other answers and other mm-hmm. alternatives to, to provide to people. And how does this, you know, mm-hmm. so. What do you think the challenges are, Matt, with this question? Um, I think there's, I have, I don't know. I think about it. I think about it more from the term or from the standpoint of people who like were Christians and then, you know, they, they have to step away because something like something broke them or something, you know, mm-hmm. um, but you, I, I think there's, I think there's, there have to be assumptions there. How can there be a God that lets these things happen? Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Well, you, you just made your, your God is the God that you want him to be, you know, where, where are you getting this formula for God? You know, like how can there be a loving God? Well, how do you know what love is? Mm. How do you know what God is? You know, you're saying, why do bad things happen to me? Because, you know, read between the lines, they shouldn't, I don't deserve these bad things to happen to me. Oh. Because, uh, right? And it's it's just suggested in there. You have 
well, I don't want to say you have the right to be sad. I don't think you have the right to do anything. But that's, mm. but the, you you know you can be sad about it. But then but then to say like there either can't be a God because otherwise this wouldn't happen. Well, that maybe not your version of God, you know. But who says you make the rules about what he does, what he allows, you know? I think maybe an, a couple of things too that I've been thinking about is. The approach, I think, of the Bible is to not say anything right away and let people do whatever they have to do. You know, the uh, Jesus, when he's on the cross, cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he's actually quoting the Psalms, Psalm 22. And so many of the Psalms, especially uh, when you read the Psalms in order, the first half, it's like many more laments. Like, God, where are you? What are you doing? And it's like oh, this beating on... Chest, God, you seem to be deceptive. You seem to be angry. Where are you? And then the last half, there's still some laments, but most of them turn into praise. And then the last, whatever it is, 10, are all praise. And so it's kind of the journey of faith through suffering and hardship of and God allowing us to cry out and get angry and, and frustrated. And I think probably the danger is, is when we swoop in right away and give a answer because there's no answer in the in the middle there's nothing you can say uh just yeah that's really hard and i i don't i don't know why this happened but i'm gonna stay here with you and that's the the beauty also i think of the book of job um is he goes through all this stuff he's crying out to god angry with god his three friends come to him and they, they they sit with him for seven days not saying anything which is the best thing you could do. And then they open up their mouth and then they try to figure it all out. Job, you must have done this wrong. You know, you you screwed this up. God is getting you back. Uh, if you would just repent. And they try to give all these pat answers. And Job is like, God, I hate you. God, I'm mad at you. I'm mad at my friends. I'm mad at everybody. And God does not charge Job with doing anything wrong from doing those things. Uh, but he does charge the three friends of doing wrong by trying to figure God out. And, and so I think... Um, I think that's a really important book of the Bible when it comes to suffering. Oh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean that's I that's one of my favorite books of the Bible too. Um just because it's so in depth, mm-hmm. kind of a case study. Right. But there's a lot to unpack there. And then I mean maybe months or years ongoing therapy and 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 biblical counseling, then you can start like unwrapping all this with somebody. Sure. Uh as they try to process it. And one of the things that was interesting as we were getting ready for this, I was thinking of a verse I remember we ta- discussed at college, and and uh, it's in Isaiah 57, and it's such a, it says, Isaiah 57, the righteous perish and no one takes it to heart. The devout are taken away and no one understands. That the righteous are taken away to be spared from evil. Those who walk uprightly enter into peace. They find rest as they lie in death. And so he's saying, he's talking about um, the Babylonian captivity and all these horrible things that are going to happen to Israel. And he says, you know, people don't know that for some people, yeah, this is judgment and this is God bringing discipline to you. But some people, he is sparing them by, by allowing them to sleep in death and sparing them from more trouble. So I think in every situation, there's so much more going on that we will not be able to figure out. You know, God is bringing some people to repentance. 
God is bringing some people to his side. Uh, God is um, allowing some evil to happen, and we don't know why. There's just so much going on. Um, it There is no easy answer. Once you try to make it a singular thing, I think that's where you really get screwed up too. Well, it's like what you talked about in your sermon a couple of weeks ago, the limited perspective. So mm-hmm. that what we're looking at and what the, the judgments and the assessments that we're making based on our limited perspective, not having the entire picture, mm-hmm. you know, only our own personal experience and whatnot. So I think that made sense to me a lot um, as a way of maybe trying to explain to people why do these bad things happen? Well, it's they're bad according to your limited perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, some things are just really bad all around, but I don't know. Yeah, I think that's really good. I, I think another. I remember hearing a sermon years ago that's always stuck with me, where uh, the the professor said, um, "Wouldn't that be great if God would get rid of all evil?" Like, and you're, you're kind of like cheering on, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, and got rid of all evil people, got rid of everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he says really quietly, then who would be left? Mm-hmm. Mm. And and so what what is your line of things that God should stop? Should he stop me when I've, you know, got lost my temper with my kids or my friends or wife or something? You know, does, does, should I get wiped out right then too? I mean, what, where, where's that line? How about when I, you know, have a, uh, you know, angry thought in my heart or, or, you know, what, what is the evil that needs to stop and where does that stop? And, and God's answer, instead of wiping out all evil people, including us, was let himself be put as an evil person, treat as an evil person on the cross, suffer in our place and, and take it on himself. So I think, that's one way to also look at that. And then another way to look at this is the idea that he does give us freedom. Uh, we do have choices and, and we have incredible capacity to do good. There's some, we, um, I remember C.S. Lewis talking like a cow can't really do a lot of good or bad. It just stands there and moves and makes <laughs> some milk. Right. And so the, the creatures, uh, but, but a dog, you know, a dog can do more good or bad, obviously, <laughs> right? Dogs are the best. The uh, best. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, you know, they can, they can, they can be a, a, a mean dog that could bite your arm off, or they could be a, a you know, a, a, a companion and friend. Um, and then humans, you can have uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., or you could have Hitler, right? Where you mm-hmm. have this incredible incredible capacity for good but and god has given us some freedom so that really i've been thinking more and more like how important a sensitive conscience is for all of us how important it is for to be able to because what's keeping us from doing some really evil stuff Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and and feeling that you know every evil villain in every movie is just somebody who felt they got wronged and they didn't you know didn't go their way and so they wanted everyone else to feel the pain that they felt what what's keeping us from doing that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you guys think? Um, I I don't know. I I would I can go back to I like the point you made about um, who who among us is not evil? You know, we like to talk about evil people out there doing bad things. Um, I think a good point to go along with that is, um, is that that there's evil things happening 24 mm-hmm. seven, you know, but it seems like, you know, it really breaks people when it's something that affects them. Yeah. And so 
I don't know. This is see, this is my lack of empathy. This is just me <laughs> wanting to argue, but it's you know, it's like how could God let this happen and it's like it happens every day. You just got upset about it now that it hurts you. You know. Mm-hmm. So that that tells me it's not really about God. It's not really about him and what he's letting happen. It's again making it about you Ooh. and you don't deserve this pain in your life. Dang. You know? <laughs> Roasted. <laughs> <laughs> Empath- uh, well, I, empathy I, is 34 we're yeah, gonna be I struggling <laughs> here well i mean and i that's this all works in philosophy right mm-hmm. but you lose a loved one you know you know if you're if your your family's in that parade all of a sudden an answer won't work anymore or or, or a discussion like just let them cry let them go through it let them pray it is interesting you know how it is watershed moments, these things that the, the suffering, it's either this will drive you to the suffering God, a God who suffers with us and for us and 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 knows what it's like to suffer and and finding your strength in him, or it leads to anger. And maybe it goes back and forth. I felt I felt both before too. Um but it's probably not an intellectual problem of an answer that they need or a philosophical answer. It's a heart issue. I feel so much pain that I thought my life was going this direction and this thing drastically changed my life and I don't like how it's going. What do I do with all that pain? And I think one of the most important things too is radical acceptance. You know, if you can help people accept this is, it is what it is. I I don't know the answer. I don't know why God allowed it, but as long as you speaking from personal experience, as long as you want it to be different, you are suffering over and over again. I don't want this to be. And and so you kind of replay the scene in your head over and over again, hoping to change how it turns out. And if you can get to that point of saying, no, this is how it happened. This is what's happened. And now I need to find a way to accept reality with God's help and with help of, of, of a community of people. So I don't know. I think that's really important. Because all this is, is keeping, you know, any of the arguments or any of the reliving or any of the anger or any of the blaming God or blaming others, like it's keeping you from acceptance. And that, I think, is the goal. I don't know. What do you think? I'm the wrong person to ask. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. I mean, I, I think you need the philosophical arguments, too. Uh, you just can't do it in triage mode. Yeah, if any of you go through any hardship, don't come to me first. <laughs> That'll get you. That's, that's Matt's response when you tell him something bad. Well, that'll get you. That'll get you. <laughs> I I do think that's what I enjoy about this podcast, though, is that you you know have a different way of looking at things, and and uh, I think that makes it engaging to kind of work through. So it's hard, though. It's been a hard year. I think we all want things to be different whether it's the pandemic or whether it's politics or whether it's just division in families or communities. And it's all a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. We all want it to be different. And, and God's an easy target. Like God wants you to fix it all right now. And mm-hmm. uh, I think we have to learn how to, how to work through it. I think you should be more grateful for your suffering. Thank you. <laughs> it's, one of, it's one of the few ways you know you're alive. If you think about it, you know, you have an opportunity to suffer that that's you know that's like that's like the most basic expression of like your will as a living being is the fact that you are averse to this bad thing you think that something could be better and you feel it should be 
that's one of the that actually Viktor Frankl, the the the, the psychologist uh, who went through the Nazi concentration camp, when he talked about living on purpose, he said, if everything else is stripped away, um you can find purpose in how you face suffering. And he says, like, that's the last thing that you have. And he, he's talking about, you know, people, who, you know, his fellow inmates in the concentration camps, like if they've lost everything, they lost their family, they lost any, any other sense of purpose that they could find, but they could, how am I going to respond when I'm going through this? And that was the final, the final purpose in their life. So I think that's cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you can help people get there, oh, man, you got to do that so carefully it's got to be so gentle you have to have so much trust with them they have to trust you you can't just throw it at them um but man if somebody can get there they can make it through and and isn't that our favorite stories our favorite movies our favorite dramas are seeing how people faced really hard situations and they were able to do it with confidence or seeing purpose or they were able to get through it 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 really does give a lot of purpose to your life but makes it hard I, uh, that kind of maybe leads to another way to kind of look at things that I was listening to another podcast that brought up, um, it was, is part of a kind of a new year's way, new year's way of looking at things. Um, it was answering three questions. Um, first, the question was, what have I received today? So it was, instead of thinking about, um, you know, me about my suffering or, or me about you know, how bad my life is or all the things that are going on. Like, what have I received? I received, uh, you know, warm water and, and a warm shower today or a, a, not, not just being thankful, but what have I received? The next question was, what have I given? So who am I helping? What have I given to? And then when you start saying that, you realize how much of the things I'm giving away, I received first and I needed a lot of help to be able to give anything away. And then the third question kind of brings us to our point was, how have I caused suffering in other people's lives? How did I cause diff- difficulty? And maybe that's where we need to ask is not just how has other people made me suffer, but that's forgetting that I've probably made other people's life di- lives difficult. I don't know. What do you guys think about those questions? Well, I think people a lot of times don't want to acknowledge, you know, or they, they compare, they say, well, I didn't do X, Y, or Z, so therefore I'm not so bad. So they don't really acknowledge that they're a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's that's a huge one in talking to some people. Well, I'm not that bad, you know. I'm, I'm and then I say, oh, so you're perfect then? Mm-hmm. Oh no, 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 could never be. You know, couldn't couldn't be perfect because that would make you sound like an idiot, right? <laughs> if you said I'm perfect. So it's a- like, no, look at it. Annie and I were just talking about this. I was gonna, I was gonna bring it up if you didn't. Um, yeah, like you know, it's it's been people say people are so quick to admit that they're not perfect yes. mm-hmm. only for the reason that it makes them seem just that much more so. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm not perfect, but I am humble. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? It's just too scary to actually look at who we really are, you know? Yeah. I, I think that's what that's what I think is makes the gospel so hard, but so good. I'll be preaching on that this weekend, uh, the, the foolishness of the cross. Like we mock by nature, all of us don't want to hear about the cross of Christ because it's hard to think I'm so messed up that that's what had to happen to make me okay with God. But when you actually 
have that what I've heard other people call low anthropology, kind of what you seem to have a very low anthropology, a low <laughs> view of human <laughs> beings, right? Huh. Uh, they deserve uh, to suffer. What can I say? That's, <laughs> no. that's a robot. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think then there's some freedom. Uh, like I can really believe and accept this beautiful message that God loves me. He accepts me. Um, I don't have to say, well, I'm not perfect. Right. I can say, no, I, yeah, I'm really, I'm man, I got some really big issues and I need a savior and that's so freeing, but it's hard to get there. Right. Cause we do, yeah. we dodge it so many times in so uh -huh. many different ways, minimizing it. Well, and I think if you pair, you pair a person's inability to acknowledge their shortcomings and their need for a savior. Yeah and pair it with um, their inability or unwillingness to believe in a savior. Like, so it's like, you're kind of almost, it's like, there's like a wedge going between the two and forcing them even mm -hmm. further apart because first of all, you can't acknowledge your shortcomings and then you also can't accept or believe, or you think it's foolish to believe in a savior. So you, there's no way you're ever going to get the two to kind of intersect. And I think that's a big problem too. And a lot of times the way that does happen though, is suffering, you know, right. Uh, you know, bring it back to our topic. Like sometimes that gap is 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 crossed through when I have tried everything and I can't do this on my own, or I've seen that I've ruined my life, either suffering I caused or suffering that's happened to me, or whatever it is. I just I don't know of many people who've become Christians outside of suffering because that you can kind of keep this game up in your head that, yeah, I, I'm pulling it off. I'm not as bad as other people, so why would I need a savior? And and so it is really hard. And so sometimes you just got to wait and and just, you know, the the reality is we all have a conscience. So whether people say it or, you know, I think there there's a verse in, in Romans, you know, although people know what they're doing is wrong, they continue to practice these things and help, you know, encourage other people to do the same and, and that's, we're just shouting so loud to drown out our own conscience, you know? Yeah. But I think, it, man, I've been thinking about this a lot lately too, just a sensitive conscience is one of the greatest gifts because yeah. if you don't have it, you're a sociopath, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think um, to tie in with that, Annie, you made a really good point about, you know, if people, there are people that don't feel people are so willing to accept that someone who drives through a parade or someone who shoots several students in a school, that's, that's an evil, evil person, mm -hmm. you know, but I think tying back in with, well, terrible things happen every day. It's just the dramatic ones that make the headlines. And then you get them to admit that they're not perfect either. And it's like, well, you know, like, you cut off someone yesterday in traffic. Mm -hmm. If it had been icy, that person could have slid off and, you know, or who knows. And then it's, it's, it's so funny that, well, it's kind of ironically funny. It's not funny at all, but <laughs> here we go. <laughs> pe when, but people will are so, are so quick to condemn themselves on a surface level. They right. don't want to take any responsibilities and be like, well, I'm not perfect, but we really don't need to go into any more detail, you know, cause I'm willing to admit I'm not perfect. You don't need to pry. Mm -hmm. Then they're so quick to absolve themselves at the same time as like, well, I haven't done anything bad, like not really bad. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, which is it? Right. You right. know, because you don't know the little things that you think you get away with could really impact somebody, really hurt people and really cause suffering. You know, I love that quote from Alexander Solzhenitsyn. You know, he was a prisoner in the in the Soviet gulags, you know, and he could have been so filled with anger. And I'm sure he was 
uh, I'm not an expert on him, but he's got a great quote that says, like, if only there was evil people out there somewhere where we could find evil <laughs> out there, then we could just get rid of them. Uh-huh. And that's what a lot of times these horrible communist regimes do. Like, we all get what communism is in here. And if you want, if you just get on board, then everything would be all right. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to get rid of all the evil people who are not getting on board. And then let alone I've killed 40 million of my own people yeah. who didn't get on board. But he's got that great quote, you know, if only evil was out there, then I, we could just get rid of evil. But all the things I see out there, I also find in myself. And yeah. and so, you know, it's the same thing Jesus kind of says, too, when he says, you know, before you take the plank or the, the speck out of somebody else's eye, take the plank out of your own eye. Um, yeah. It, and I, I think that's where so much of our anger also is happening in our country right now, too, is we just... We put everybody in these categories. They're bad. Mm-hmm. They don't get it. They're stupid. We need to get rid of their perspective because I have it all figured out. And, and we just have a lack of self-awareness. Yeah, that, I mean, that I feel like as Christians, like we're, when you go into church and you confess your sins first thing every morning, you know, you, you, might, you must build up that, that level of introspection that maybe, you know, I guess maybe I take for granted but I guess I've never thought of maybe people who aren't raised with any sort of religious background. Obviously, right, they're willing to admit they're not perfect, but how much do they actually look at themselves and say, you know, that person that did that really nasty thing out of anger, well, I have a mini version of that in me, you know, and I haven't driven through a parade, but I've gotten so angry that I've been like, oh, I wish, you know, I wish you were dead or I wish I could just punch you in the face right now, you know, and I'm better because I didn't have the power to do it or because I had some restraint, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's mm. it's all over. I, I think that's what is so powerful about the gospel is it hits at so many levels. Um, at one level, Jesus is there suffering with us. So all those people who have gone through these tragedies lately can say, I have a God who doesn't just theoretically know what it means to suffer, like literally knows what it feels like to suffer. But also when it hits you that all that evil out there is also residing in me and all that anger I have directed outside should be directed at me on the inside, then the gospel also hits me there too. So I just think, and I, I, that's why Paul can say, I claim to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified because there's so many facets to the gospel. It hits on so many levels. It is the, it is the, the lens you can see all of life through. And I think, so maybe back to the opening question, you know, like how, how do you answer people who've, who've said, um, you know, why would God permit evil? You don't want to try to answer, like, oh, God will work it out. I heard a pastor say, well, maybe God didn't give us an answer. He gave us a person. And instead of giving us an answer to suffering, he gave us a person. And, I, and, and so I think that that's what we need is Jesus, not an answer. Because sometimes an answer is a, a substitute, like almost an idol for, for mm. the mm. presence of Jesus. Yeah. So... I guess, and and you could, like, even though Jesus is God, like, on some level, he probably had to ask those questions, too. He did that from the cross, right? Right. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, yeah. And then then 
we see him in the Garden of Gethsemane, if there's another way, you know, crying out, mm-hmm. asking. For, I mean, how, how many of us have not asked, God, don't let this happen. Mm-hmm. God, this can't be the way it's going. And we see Jesus doing that. It's, it's just so mm. beautiful uh, that, that God, God did that same prayer. Jesus, in, as, as, our, as God and human, had that same prayer that we often pray, God, don't let this happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I still did. I think that's one thing that makes Christianity very cool and and maybe not necessarily unique, but just how individualized it is that everyone, you know, everyone's going to be judged um, as an individual. But then also, God has a life for your plan, a plan for your life. He hears your prayers. He's, He's willing to sit there next to you, you know, and it's not. That even if even if your life is full of suffering, even if people are abandoning you, even if people are dying around you, that he's still with you as an individual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I think that's I think that's pretty cool and and maybe understated a little bit. And then I think the communal aspect of the of the faith mm-hmm. also, right? We're a yeah. body of believers. It's always talked about mm-hmm. in plural too. You know, so it is individual, but but then you're never alone in mm-hmm. so many different ways. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really good. That's heavy stuff right there. I had a question that's sort of just a random musing, but um, so we, you've heard a lot of people who walked away from their faith or have stopped believing in God or stopped believing in a God, maybe, mm-hmm. because because they've experienced... Um, like some pretty horrific suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, has anyone, have you ever heard of anyone who's gone the other way and said, well, maybe there is an evil God or maybe God is evil. Ooh. Yikes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's what people really mean when they leave. Like they don't stop believing God. They're really mad at him. And they, yeah. think, they, they think he's wrong. So I, I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard it said that way, but they, you know, how could you God? And I think this is the answer. This is the reason people, because we all have the natural knowledge of God. I think suffering is the reason why it's been my experience, uh, why people no longer identify as Christians. It's not, they don't believe there is a God. They just don't like him. And, yeah. and, 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 and now Richard Dawkins, in his book, uh, The God Delusion, you know, he does say he's vindictive and mean and nasty, the God of the Old Testament especially, yeah. right? So, but I don't know outside of that how many people put into words like that. Yeah, and I mean, he's obviously being facetious. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just... Because I, 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 I think I would agree with you that when people say that they stopped believing in God, I mean, that's that answer in and of itself doesn't make sense. You know, something happening doesn't mean he doesn't exist. You know, if you read about what he promises and what he explains about himself, nothing there is incongruent. You just had um, a miss, um, and my right, brain's not there. You just, you just wanted him to be something else. Yeah. You know, you were just kind of hoping that he was always going to be in your corner in all earthly things. Mm-hmm. You know, and so just, I mean, to say like. I stopped because I've had someone tell me that like, oh, you know, like this horrible thing happened. And so it was it was just easier to stop believing in God. Yeah. It's like, what does that even mean? 
he didn't stop existing because you stopped believing in him. You're just upset about it, you know? Yeah, I'm, I think it's pretty common with people who've especially been in abusive situations where, I mean, it's really sad. I mean, you're praying that God would stop this, and he doesn't, and you can't wrap your brain around that. And I think it's just so hard to reconcile those two. And it's easy. You know, I, I think we're we're always trying to make sense of the world and make sense of our lives. And so when you when you come up to these things that don't reconcile, you have to give up one of them. And I can see why people would give up on God, right? Like I prayed, he didn't come, this horrible thing happened. Why would I keep doing that, put myself through that? Um, I think again, hopefully over time you can say, well, that's exactly Jesus' experience. So go with Jesus because he had that same experience. He prayed, it didn't turn out, it, it was different, you know, than what, what he asked God to do. Right. So, but it, it's, it's really hard. I mean, I just, I, 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 having worked with quite a few people who've been in that cir- circumstance, I just said, all right, I get it. If you don't believe or you don't like him or whatever, like, again, that's the Psalms. He can handle that. He can handle your anger. He can handle your doubt. He can handle your frustration. Let him have it. Uh, the part that is a little scary then is when people go into apathy, when like, I'm done. I'm not even going to, I don't want to talk about it. Mm. I'd rather somebody be angry with God because they still are, you know, fighting with him, you know, and that's so beautiful. I mean, that's where the the name Israel comes from is Jacob wrestling with God mm. in prayer uh, and his name was turned to Israel. So, yeah. Apathy is frightening. I think it's yes. frightening. Yeah, it is frightening. You know, and when just when you sear your conscience or you, you, you don't feel anything anymore, like that, that is a scary place to be. God has given us those things. A very important thing. Let people, let people have their emotions. And you think apathy comes maybe from a place of very deep anger. It's almost like there's, it's not even worth the effort of being angry. So I'm just going to not care because there's not enough. There's not a way for me to get it all out because I don't want to believe in the object of that anger. So therefore I just don't care. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you've gone through incredible pain, you have to find a way out of it, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 sometimes things are so painful, I'd rather, I, I have to go numb. I mean, just like if you cut yourself and it's such a deep cut, your your body goes numb, you don't feel it. And yeah. I think some of this pain that people have emotionally is just so deep, you can't take, you can't process mm. it. And so you go you go apathetic or you go numb or whatever, you just hope that over time you can come back and start feeling again because that that is scary if you kind of feed into that. So, yeah. I think that's what a good counselor can help you kind of rebuild again is those yeah. is feeling and process it in a in a healthy way. So, it is it's really hard. I I, I do. I'm going to I'm going to keep praying for now that this is a little bit closer to home, you know, some of the people who were in that the the Waukesha parade tragedy, I mean, they're going to they're going to have some pretty bad PTSD probably uh, from that. So how can they now process that in a healthy way and still hold on to their faith? And the ones that I do know, at least right now, they, they said, yeah, I mean, our kids, our family, we're, we're holding on to our faith and we're, we're making it through and we haven't, you know, we've, we're okay. So that's wonderful. Yeah. And I don't know, they raise millions of dollars. People really gave to this and that's beautiful too mm-hmm. when people respond to 
to tragedy with with hope and encouragement and generosity it overcomes it you know it doesn't doesn't let this 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 evil win so anything else i don't think i, I don't think i have anything else on that topic no should i talk about what happened last night sure okay <laughs> so last night we're at home it's about seven o'clock and the reason I'm bringing this up is because I'm conflicted and I kind of feel like an awful person. So <laughs> Matt will tell you you are. I know. Well, I know. I'm, that's, <laughs> that's a given. Um, seven o'clock or so, you know, it's dark out. The doorbell rings and my husband answers the door and there's a man outside and he seems to have some cognitive impairment or something. Um, and it's cold out and he's asking for a way to get home. And I could kind of hear my husband like, uh, uh, like kind of stumbling and not quite knowing what to do. So, um, I walk over, I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, well, you know, this guy like needs a way home. He's on like 60th and forest home, which is, you know, close to our house, whatever. And he's, you know, and it's cold out and I'm like, well, there's a fire station down the road, you know, like you can go walk there. And in hindsight, I'm just thinking to myself, like, what, you know, like, what could I have done better? Cause it's cold out, but like, what's, I can't let him into the house. Right. Like uh. I can't drive him home. Um, cause I don't know this guy, mm-hmm. you know? So like, is it unchristian to, to, um, <laughs> send him, send him back and <laughs> to the fire station? I don't know. I, I have a similar, I have a similar conundrum that's been on my mind. Like, so I've, you know, like when you have people who are in, in dire need and they they stand out and they hold a sign that's like, you know, anything yes. helps. I'm very hungry. I'm poor. Mm-hmm. I've got nothing, you know, and the Bible says you needed, clo- I needed clothes and you clothed me. That seems pretty straightforward. At the same time, I've also heard like countless stories of like when you send donations to other countries, then they, their culture stagnates. They start subsisting off donations. Then, then a awful like power ar- power hierarchy will assemble and control the influx of donations, basically. Mm. And you you just ruined that country because you gave them free stuff. You know, not that you were the one that mm-hmm. did that, but it's like, what is the right way to give? That's smart, but also, we're not really called to be like well, I can't give you money because then you'll become reliant on welfare. Like that's not in the Bible. It just says I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Get him a cheeseburger <laughs> or a sweater. You know, Clothe me. <laughs> I. This is hard, right? But mm-hmm. I, I, I think, so now we were talking about this a little bit, you know, you have time in the moment. It's hard. Yes. And I think the reason maybe you feel conflicted too is like, C.S. Lewis talks about the scary part is sometimes your heart is like a, as a cellar. And like when you go down into the cellar and you open up the door real fast, you can see the cockroaches scatter. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And some of these knee jerk reactions that we have is like open up the cellar to our heart. Like, Oh man, my knee jerk was get the heck out of here. And I think, uh, that's the process of all the stuff we've been talking about when it comes to self-reflection. Like, okay, is there a different way that I could face that situation in the future? So like, you can't do anything about the past. Right. Right. And so what do you think 
if you if that were happened today again, would you do the same thing? No, I'd probably maybe ask a few more questions like, do you need bus money? Mm-hmm. You know, um, we talked kind of about, you know, an Uber, you know, yeah. in hindsight. And I thought, well, if we order him an Uber and he acts foul some way in the car to the driver or whatever, that's on us. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Would yeah. you ever like get him in your car? Like if you and Dave went in the car and you like, no, took him? No, I don't think so. No? I don't know. I may, I don't know, maybe. But I, I think you're right, like just having kind of a plan and being kind of prepared. Mm-hmm. So like the, just kind of this lack of experience in that particular scenario and knowing what to do and then just kind of feeling crappy afterwards. Like did I, should I, should, you know, it's cold out. Yeah. The guy, you know, doesn't seem to be... You know, I don't know. I think that's all all we can do is kind of evaluate and say, what can I do better next time? Right. And because we're all going to we have these knee jerk reactions and I've I've had them, too, where it's like, oh, man, I screwed that up. Yeah, (laughs) I could have done better. Could have did it differently. Right. And uh, it's hard. It's hard. The, The other thing, too, like, I mean, Milwaukee doesn't have it's it's not. It's not as prevalent, but like, all right, so do I keep some change or a sandwich or something in my car? Do I, so that when I do pass somebody on a crosswalk, I have something to give them. Um, If you're, you know, I talk, I've heard people speak, you know, who live in in Portland, right? And they have a huge homeless um, population. Do you feed everybody that you walk in? You know, like, where does that, how does that work? And it, it is really challenging probably takes a lot more thought than what we have in this room like how do we how, how do we respond but i think what you were saying matt you know pretty simple God, jesus words right if i yeah. was hungry give me something to eat i do get a little bit concerned like what i've tried to say and someone told me this and so i've tried to make it my practice was like if they say they're hungry buy them some food if they say no just give me money then you're like, no, I'll, I'll get you some food. Let's go to McDonald's right now. Yeah. Uh, follow me. And if they don't, then, I mean, are you are you supplying somebody with a, a, yeah. a drug habit or something like that? So. Yeah. And I've also heard, I mean, there are people that aren't even homeless. Like there are some people right. that actually have homes and they just don't get jobs because they can make a lot of money getting just handouts. I've heard that too. But But at the end of the day, that's on them, right? You know, like conscience wise but otherwise it's a burden on the state (laughs) sure sure it is i i just said like i don't know is that really what's keeping us from giving is it is it out of concern for the state (laughs) (laughs) i'm very concerned for the government yeah i mean like is it is it a concern for for the situation or is it is it you know back to that really being honest about our own motivations like is it well i don't really want to help it's a really big inconvenience you mm-hmm. know and speaking I, I think for me a lot of times i don't want to help because of a big <laughs> inconvenience yeah right i i catch myself doing that all the time where it's just like i don't, I don't i'm not even willing to roll down the window it's too cold out you know <laughs> and i'm like man is that really what i just thought you know for me when i've my kids in the car it's like okay what are we going to do right now i have I can a good opportunity to show them, show them. <laughs> yeah like uh, you know so it it, it that if that's a healthy motivation or not but it usually it's always like can we get a sandwich can we do something Mm -hmm. you know and then all right 
let's replay this story. Let's say it happens tonight again. Somebody knocks on your door, asks for a ride, whatever. How do you feel afterwards if you call them a cab, right? Or whatever, or, or, or here's some, some bus, you know, do you feel like this? You know, you probably do feel a little bit different, right? If you do find some way to maybe, and mm-hmm. I, and I, it's hard in the moment, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think I've ever regretted doing it. Yeah. I've, I've regretted plenty of times when I haven't and I haven't yeah. a lot. Right. Well, I guess in my head too, I mean, being, I mean, I have a, a degree in criminal justice. Mm-hmm. I like in my head, I'm thinking, is he trying to look in our house? Yep. Is he trying to, you know, is this happening to the other neighbors? Sure. Like, is he going door to door? Is it just our house? And why is it our house? And yep. what is he looking for? You know? Yeah. So I've got all these things going through my head and maybe it's sense. not good because I'm taking this person with, you know, at, in a, in a bad intention that their intention is bad. But I, I think that we, you know, have to kind of do that to a degree to protect yeah. ourselves. Yep. You know what I mean? So in my head, I'm thinking, is this guy a criminal mm-hmm. who is casing the house or whatever? I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves, mm-hmm. right? Where mm-hmm. like, how can I be shrewd about this and, and wise about it or, and, and, and still innocent. And it's hard though. Yeah. I don't, I, it's easy for me on this side of the situation to talk about it. Right. I wasn't there. Yeah. It's tough though. Yeah. I think, um, some really great advice that I heard or advice or just a, a good thought was like part of the reason that Jesus tells you to be generous is not for the sake of the recipient. It's for you. It's really good for you to practice giving away stuff to people. And that, I think, makes it easier if you're on the lines like, oh, do I help? Is that really going to help them? It's like, no, it's also helping you. Mm, It'll teach you to be a more giving person. That's good. Better to give than to receive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a quote from Jesus. It's hard, though. Yeah, I mean, especially if I think I do things differently, but you think depending on, you know, if my family's here am i you know being protective it's my home right that's that's different than meeting somebody oh totally away from your house yeah, right it's, it's you the know crib. we're at the crib the kids are there you know what what mm-hmm. is going on like the dog's barking you know what yeah very different. but i i do back to those three questions right i do think every day to try to think through what have i received you know, realize how, how abundantly blessed we all are, all these things that we're receiving. What have I given? How can I be generous? And then how have I made people's lives difficult? Uh, recognizing that very often we're the cause of so many different problems too, not just these other people are causing us problems. So I think that can be helpful. Mm-hmm. So That's yeah, good. agreed. Anything else? This has been really good. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of fun. I miss this. You off slacking with your COVID. (laughs) Oh man, I'm done with that. I'm just, I'm so glad to be done with it. I'm very thankful that we had mild symptoms, made it through very praying for all of the, all those who are going through it and however it's affecting people's lives, businesses, people, individuals, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, We're glad to have you back. Yeah. Good. All right. Adios. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. 
If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello.